You're listening to DB Diary thanks to Lakers Dragon Boat Club, the home of dragon boat paddling in Brisbane's Forest Lake. Good afternoon, it's Aidan Taylor here from DB Diary and this is your weekly brief for Friday, January 22nd, 2021. Let's get things moving. On today's show, we catch up with David Abel, the head coach of the Australian Dragon Boat team, to talk about his plans, his visions for the team after what's been a disruptive year. And then we talk to the team from the Philippines who's been training off a bamboo raft. What could that be about? Tune in to find out more. But first, let's check the water and the races. There were a few of those around Australia. We'll wrap up the headlines and we'll jump into the main stories of the week. All right, what's happening in dragon boating? Townsville Dragon Boat Club, they've just come out saying that they celebrate 10 years this year. Happy birthday, Townsville Dragon Boat Club. And straight from the newsroom at OzDBF today, we see that roughly 300 people, 300 people, have expressed interest in trialling for the next Aurora's campaign. That's down on last year's figures, I believe, due to COVID. Um, so they're still taking expressions of interest for that. The Bay of Plenty Dragon Boat Club in New Zealand, they will hold their inaugural Dragon Boat Tug of War this Friday. So that's one to watch out for. And some results from racing on the weekend, we see that Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria each hold, held regattas of their own. And we'll dive into those results now. Firstly to Lake Kiwana in Queensland where Brisbane River Dragons were hosting their regatta. In the standard mixed 2,000 metres, Sunshine Coast proved too strong overall with a time of 9 minutes 56.13, closely followed by Brisbane Typhoon on 10 minutes 42.60. The small mixed 1,000 saw Corumban take out a very strong time of 5 minutes 40.85 seconds. And to the 200 metre sprints where we had an elimination final which saw the top six teams battle it out for the top three places. The top three places they then fought it out for the overall victory. Sunshine Coast Pink, they again proved too strong overall with a time of 50 seconds 42 followed by Gold Coast 1 on a time of 51 seconds 0. 0.060 over to the ACT now in Gravillia Park for Regatta 5 of the season, and that was the 500m event. In the major final of the women's 2500m, Komodo Paddle Club came out on top with a time of 2 minutes 21.86. In the major final of the Open 20s 500m, Komodo again proving too strong overall with a time of 2 minutes 13.17, followed by Hydra, the new kids on the block, with a time of 2 minutes 13.93. And to New South Wales at Point Wollstonecroft. Now, a lot of the major finals were rubbed out due to excessive win. In the Premier Mixed A, the Sloths Purple, they came out on top with a time of 52 seconds, 0.29, followed by Sloths Rebels on 52.82, so a very close one there. And in the major final of the Premier Open A, Sloths again proving too strong with a time of 51.71, closely followed by DSA on 54.37 seconds. The Premier Women A's, the different strokes, they took out the major final with that one. And in the major final, the Senior A mixed different strokes, they took out the major final with a time of 57.19 seconds. And that's a wrap of the races. You know, coaching a national team is difficult at the best of times. But when you throw in a pandemic and you throw in the fact that you've just been given the position, that makes it even more difficult. So my next guest is David Abel. David Abel is the head coach of the Australian Dragon Boating Team. And I caught up with him to look at his plans and visions for the team and how they're looking to bounce back after a highly disruptive year when they've had to withdraw all of these applications and trials for the Auroras. Here's my chat with David Abel. So David, it's been the less than ideal start for you heading into the coaching role. So just talk to me about how you've had to adapt over this, over this last sort of year that we've had COVID. So really it brought, us, it brought us to a grinding stop. We were going through the process of setting ourselves up to go to an Asian Championships, which mm. would have been in 2020. 
We had gone through the expressions of interest. We had even selected people to come to the initial camp. Mm. And that was right on the, um, the, the, the kickoff of the whole COVID pandemic, which because of the rapid way it escalated and the need to take control of it, um, following all the government guidelines, it was very quickly apparent to us that we would have to pause. So we, we, we effectively stood everybody down saying, hey, bear with us. We'll give you all the information we can over the time. Mm-hmm. Um, some uh, questions, if, if people had questions, they were free to ask them. But really, we were playing playing it. It started initially week by week, but then became month by month. And on the softer side of things, what does it mean to you to be the head coach of the Aus- of Australian Dragon Boat team? Oh, it's, it's an awesome experience. Look, I've been involved with the, with the Auroras as a paddler, as a coach for a division and as the, 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 the chair of OzDBF. And it's something that, you know, I want to see whether that, that, that you know, my predecessor, Serge, he, he had taken it on a journey from its concept mm. to what it was. And I basically want to continue building up the Auroras um, on from, from the work that he did, on from the starting point that he gave. You know, he, 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 he got it going. Yeah. And what I want to do is to see whether my approach and my my uh, attitude towards it can step it to the next to, to to a new level, to something different. So we're now in the phase where you're looking for expressions of interest for the next um, Aurora's campaign, and that's in Hong Kong, isn't it? Correct. So yeah. at the moment, that's uh, in November this year. Right. So there must be some confidence behind the scenes that that's going to get off the ground. Then. Well, we have to make a step. So what we've got to look at is that the International Dragon Boat Federation, the IDBF, mm. they are planning a championship in November this year, um, and they have put out the, the the notice that that is going to occur, and it's worlds as well, so that or nations, so that means that it's the it's the the biggest of the events. Yeah. Um, noting that we're under a current travel ban, noting that there are COVID restrictions worldwide. Yeah. Um, what we're looking to do in the expression of interest is to say to people, look, we can't guarantee anything, but what we want to do is to plan that this 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 will occur. Yeah. So really what we're trying to do is is go ahead in a, in a as near normal state as we possibly can to be able to foster a, a, a growth of the sport, really, a passion for the sport to get people excited and back into the game again. Yeah. And for the first time people who are trialing out, for instance, I've got a question here from Sandra in Brisbane and she says that she trialed for or she put a name forward for the last Aurora's campaign and that was understandably, you know, called off. But she was left feeling yeah. somewhat deflated because there was suddenly a breakdown of communication and she felt like there was just such uncertainty surrounding it that there wasn't the information flow there. We so, didn't have any information. So I understand that some I, I've had a couple of people um email. So uh, Emily who was the manager, was um, reporting or surfacing calls, uh, emails, and she's still doing it to this day, even though she's no longer the manager of an event that's not occurred. She is still CCing me in on questions that are being asked um, of of what's going on. So, you know, disappointed to hear that someone felt the communications broke down. But, you know, we put a couple of messages up on the webpage, we put uh, um, onto the Facebook annotation. We, We... we can only share what we know. Absolutely. And it effectively was, there's nothing happening right now because we are shut down as a sport. People, what I hope people would understand is that yeah. we're trying to cope with all of the different balances, checks and balances by state and territory 
um, through this whole experience. Thank you for clarifying that. That is a good point. So with these um, with these preparations that you have in place, often in the past the Auroras have met up throughout the process of those preparations to have training camps. So what are your plans to bond the team if this campaign does go ahead, given all of the restrictions and travel bans at the moment? So what we're looking to do right now is to find out who's interested in to do it and actually then offer up the opportunity to to do an initial selection. From that initial selection, assuming we don't end up with with an issue where borders are closed within the states, put together a camp structure and bring these people together and actually start growing that that team um, by division. So we won't have everybody coming at once. We'll follow a model which has become a little, which is typical or normal for Aurora's where we would bring the there would be a series of camps where we bring different groups together. One of the things that I do want to bring to the Auroras is a recognition that that it's not the same regardless of age. So at 16 to 18, what they're able to do and able to take on board and to learn and to build with yeah. is different to that potentially of a senior B and a senior C. And it's to recognize that each is different. And that even goes down to the style and the technique. So one of the big things that I want to do is actually allow the divisional coach. So I am the head coach. Yeah. What I want to do is to bring on a, a manager and coach by division, but allow that coach to be the voice the division hears. So I'm really there to provide guidance yeah. and to provide an umbrella of uniformity across it. But the coach of the division, the coach of the division is the one that is the voice the paddlers hear the most of. And those divisional coaches have been announced, have they? No. So the AOIs for those will come out very shortly, as will those for the division managers and the overall team manager. We'll get those underway and ready, and then we'll start the AOIs for paddlers based on how we we find this initial AOI response. So if there are some, if the the COVID outbreaks happen um, more sort of widespread, what are the contingencies in place? Are you going to revert to a more localised training program? Yeah, exactly right. Yep. So one of the, the things that, that I'm absolutely keen to do is to ensure that the way we measure people's performance is something that can occur at worst case as an individual level. Okay. Because some of the biggest states have had, the, have had the luxury in the past of being able to take all of the Aurora hopefuls and allow them to train. In, so, you know, Victoria, New South Wales, and ACT, for example, um, have been able to put boats on the water sometimes more than one boat with, with all of the different divisions combining to do a training session. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not looking to see that stop, but what I am looking to do is to ensure that we've got a, um, a reporting process of individual paddlers where they can do things on their own and report their individual progress to their divisional coach such that the, uh, the, 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 they're able to maintain a level of fitness and development. Um, throughout this, even if there are periods where we can't bring people together. Is that not the same that it's been previously, though? Oh, it is. It's very similar. So um, a, a lot of the, the gym programs and the work that has happened previously yeah. has built on that very that, that very activity. What I am looking to do, though, is, is not necessarily expect people to do, like, water training. So if people don't have access to these things referred to as single craft, I want to be able to ensure that I've got a measure of performance that the divisional coach can look at a paddler and say, yes, I can see you developing. So let's look at rowing machines, for example. Let's look at what gymnasiums have to offer us 
um, because we're looking to actually put together um, a tailored gym program by division. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to enlist uh, people that, that are more, pref- or, you know, that's their skill set, that's their qualification. Okay. And lastly, what happens if Hong Kong is cancelled and the selections have been made? Is there any hope of those selections carrying over to the next campaign? No, I think what we've got to do is we've got to play it, we've got to really take it on board as it occurs you know, and, and deal with it then. If, if the slippage is weeks to small numbers of months, it would be absolutely, um, we could carry people forward if they can, if they can still commit to being able to do that travel. Yep. If it is the slip of a year, then no, we would start again. Um, and is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap things up? Uh, no, I just wish everybody well, wish everybody to remain safe. And, uh, and maintain your fitness because as soon as the Auroras can hit the circuit, we're going to go and do so. That's David Abel, the head coach of the Australian Dragon Boating team. Up next, they sparked a lot of interest online recently when they posted pictures of themselves training on a bamboo raft. And it turns out they have quite the story behind it. Stay tuned. So I found this really interesting story about six months ago about this dragon boat team in the Philippines who'd been training on a bamboo raft. And at first I thought it might have been staged, but I looked into it and it turns out it's quite genuine. So this team has been training on a bamboo raft because they haven't been able to afford a dragon boat for themselves. And it's quite sad really because Iloilo, the town that they're from, Iloilo has been hosting dragon boat tournaments for years, yet they haven't had a proper competitive dragon boat team. So in May last year, this group of keen paddlers, they came together, they built this Iloilo paddling club, and because they couldn't afford the dragon boat, they've been training on a bamboo raft, which they creatively built using an ancient technique that they took from another team in the Philippines somewhere. They, They can't be clear about where that is, but yeah, that's where it came from. So I thought it would be really interesting to check in with Iloilo to see how they're going on this journey. Because I know that in the last sort of year when they've been able to, um, in co- during COVID, they've been fundraising for a boat for themselves. So I spoke to Riza Ornos. Riza is from the Iloilo Paddling Club in the Philippines. thing is, for the past few years already, we are actually hosting Dragon Boat Competition. Oh, wow. But the city doesn't even have a team. Oh, no. So, which is kind of weird, yes. Um, I used to play with... Um, uh, a dragon boat team in Boracay. I don't know if you're familiar with the island. The name in yes. the uh, the island's name is Boracay, and uh, I used to paddle with All Star Team, uh, which is based in Boracay Island. Yeah. And we we used um, my team and other um, dragon boat teams around the Philippines would actually travel in Iloilo just to compete mm. for the past few years. And it was only last year that uh, I think the city didn't have the dragon boat competition. But the past few years, I think the past, uh, I think three consecutive years, we have dragon boat competitions in the city. And this is a chance to, to have a team that fully represents the city in that exactly, competition. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Right, okay. And it's quite extraordinary circumstances that you find yourself in a, in a training, isn't it? Uh, can you just explain to me what you've been using on the water? <laughs> yeah. Um, Actually, the team, um, it's not very original. We saw this uh, very um, genius idea from, I think, in the southern part of the Philippines. Mm. There's also like um, a dragon build team. I'm not really sure about it, but they used a raft to practice because, of course, there's no funding for the for the boat. Mm. And we said like, yeah, maybe what, let's uh, try to make one here and then maybe we could... Uh, 
try to raise awareness of how you know um you know how paddling is possible in the river all right i'm just going to jump in for a second so reza goes on to say that the government may come to the party to assist them with the fundraising in some way but that's really just a murmur at this stage there's nothing that's been set in concrete but what i'm wondering is with everything that we have in australia you know we are so fortunate to have so many boats and so many secondhand boats going around. So I'm sure there must be a team out there who, you know, could help Ilo Ilo out by giving them a boat. At the very least, you know, offering them the boat and somehow they could pay for the postage and then they would have a boat to train with. Now, if you think you're in this position to help out, you know, send me a message on Facebook or Instagram at the DB Diary um, socials. I'm confident that if someone comes to the party with a boat, you know, we could really get this happening. So now back to the conversation with Reza at the point where she's talking about the bamboo raft and how it's being used today. Do you yes, still use it? Yeah. Do you still use it as well? Yeah, it's still usable now, but because of the pandemic, we are not allowed to gather like, you know, in one team, in one area. Of course. You know yeah. what I mean? In a very small um, space. Yeah. So that's why uh, it's still on standby. It's still, I, I, I hope it's still usable after I think almost a year of not using it. So yeah, that's <laughs> really still, quite uh, creative. Parking yeah. in the river. <laughs> so there's yeah. no other, there's no boats for you to like just borrow from other clubs around the place, or no. Um, there is, I think, there are two mar maritime school in the city that has a dragon boat, mm. and they um, and sometimes during dragon boat competitions they actually join and represent their school, right. but they're not very legit dragon boat teams. It's only like uh just to represent the school and they don't even practice all the time they only practice there is a competition and that's the only time but yeah. aside from that no yeah one of the other things that really took me by surprise about ilo ilo is that up the road from where they train there's this art piece which is part of a, a an art festival that they've had recently um, paying tribute to the first responders. And Reza was saying that this particular art piece, which is a wood carving mounted onto this, what looks to be a stone wall, if you look closely enough, it's a dragon boat. And sitting in the dragon boat are these first responders. So you have people like military officers, you have fire personnel, um, you also have the medical staff, so nurses and doctors, and they're all wearing face masks. So here's some of what Reza had to say about that. And mm -hmm. tell me about this artwork that you've got that you've got up at the moment. Uh, okay. Um, the thing is, with uh, in Iloilo, there is um, we are um, the city government is trying to make that the city is going to be like the bike capital in the country. Okay. And the Esplanade, which is the area where we actually, you know, um, uh, row and at the same time practice, is also like a bike area. Okay. And. Uh, so it's mostly like uh, beginning of the uh, beginning of this year. It actually full of um, art installations. Mm. So one of the art installation is actually that one, the sculpture of the boat, and it coincides because of the pandemic. So they made it something like to honor the front line. It's one of the initiatives of the city to um, spread awareness of art, uh, which depicts the, you know, the this resiliency of Filipinos and at the same time trying to face the pandemic together. Beautiful. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I saw the picture of it and, and it's got the even the face masks on the, um, on the first responders yeah. in the yeah. boat. So mm -hmm. it's, it's really quite well, symbolic of that. 
if if you've seen some um, artworks around the city, there are so many artworks that um, give honor to the frontliners, and a, a lot of artists in the city are coming together just to give, uh, you know, just to share, um, just to express our gratitude to the frontliners. So there are artworks around the city that uh, shows that not just sculptures, but a lot of murals around the city. Now, I couldn't not speak to someone from the Philippines without looking into a bit about, you know, what happened in Boracay in September 2019, when seven people died after a boat capsized during a storm surge. I wanted to find out how that affected the community and what's happened in the aftermath to prevent something like this from happening again and how the community dealt with it. Talk me through how much that was felt by the nation. Um, I think it was felt by the community, the Dragon Boat community. Um, the, the fact that um, it was only a week ago that I was in Boracay training with another team. So it was quite um, scary and at the same time um, it was such a tragedy because um, I think it also gave uh, uh, us some warning that even though that the dragon boats are safe, we need to protect ourselves. So we have to arm ourselves the skills on how to, you know, to swim. Yeah. Because some of some of the um, dragon boaters or paddlers don't know how to swim. Yeah. Which okay. is quite which which is quite sad in a country full of islands. Mm. Um, not everyone knows how to swim, even in our even in our team. So that's the reason why we always encourage to go pool paddling so the others could actually learn how to swim and practice. And has any anything happened since in terms of the government, you know, pushing forward to mandate life jackets or anything? Yes, yes. That's the reason we have to buy life jacket while we are training with the bamboo raft. Just to make sure that we abide on the rules. So because the... we don't use we don't use life jackets when we are paddling before. But because of that we need to buy life jackets for that. Yeah, and I think, you know, I can relate to that in Queensland. Um, Queensland is, we're probably one of the only states in Australia that doesn't have to use life jackets yet. Mm-hmm. So I can relate to that. So was that pushed mm-hmm. in, was that sort of enforced by the government then? Like they saw the tragedy yes. unfold and then they said, yes. right, everyone has to wear a life jacket. Yes, yes. Wow. That, that's quite a... And for a while, you know, I think um, a lot of Dragon Boat teams based in Boracay, um, they were not allowed to practice oh, geez. for yeah. quite a few months. Yes, they have to go um, to the main island to practice. It really did, and it made international headlines, and it just looked like it completely, you know, startled that nation of, of dragon boat loving, you know, people. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think it's always like every year. There's always um, every summer, every May. There's always uh, international dragon boat competition, and it was only that year, and I think the year previously. Um, that there were no Dragon Ball competitions uh, happening in, in the island. That's Riza Onos from the Ilo Ilo Paddling Club in the Philippines. Well, that's all we've got time for today. Thank you so much to the guests who've been part of the show and to you, our listeners. So we'll be back again soon. But in the meantime, remember to like and subscribe to the DB Diary Facebook and Instagram pages for the latest news from our Dragon Boating community. Until next time, see you later.